You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. This episode, we'll be talking about The Stranglers, Rattus Norvegicus. On the line, I have Rob. Fuck yeah! Ben. Yeah, dude. John. Oh, shit. And Kyle. Hi there. Rattus Norvegicus is the debut album by The Stranglers, released on the 15th of April, 1977, on United Artists Records. The producer was Martin Rushent, and the genre is punk rock, new wave, art punk. And I'm going to read from All Music Review, David Cleary. Like the Vibrators, the Stranglers were an older band which managed to gain visibility and success through association with Britain's punk movement. Musically, the group is much more polished than some of their rawer brethren, such as the Averts and Susie and the Banshee. The Stranglers' early work is most properly described as stripped-down pop played with hardcore sensibility. Fairly lengthy songs with frequent solo breaks, prominent keyboard usage, and the occasional employment of vocal harmony set them apart from their peers. But snarling lead singing that puts forth macho, critical, distasteful lyrics predominates here, clearly showing the group's affinity for punk. Most of the songs on this album fit the description of hardcore pop to a T, but there are a few deviations from the model. Princess of the Streets is a slow-tempo section with blues-like echoes that amb- Ambitious down in the sewers crosses the concept of episodic numbers like the Who's A Quick One with early 1960s instrumentals and the energetic London Lady is almost a true punk song, or at least as close as the band gets to one. All right. What do we think of The Stranglers? Debut album. Love The Stranglers. This was my first listen to this album and I really liked it. Yeah, same. First listen to the whole album. I'd heard uh, Peaches on like a punk comp or something. Same. Uh, but other than that, I don't think I'd heard uh, any of the other songs. And it's great. I mean, it's it's a real interesting mix of elements that makes something really unique and awesome. I mean, the the keyboards from Dave Greenfield, like they definitely change the whole vibe. He's got R. like R. a Ray Manzarek thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. COVID, COVID took him. Yeah, yeah. let's let's pour a little out. Yeah, he passed May third from COVID, Fuck and me. that's a drag because the Stranglers were still playing shows. Uh, Dude, recently. I, I played I, I, I played a a, year, a few years back a festival in in somewhere I think it was in Belgium, and the Stranglers were in the lobby of the hotel when they checked in. Is they were also uh-huh. playing that festival, and I did not go say hi. Because I'm not cool enough to talk to the Stranglers. <laughs> yeah, this is a, this is a good album. This is, it's re- a really interesting one for 
I guess I'm I shouldn't say that because we're going to be getting into a lot of interesting albums with new wave and in punk and stuff. But it fits in that weird area of 60s. I mean, I would say psych 60s psych meets like ruckus pop, which, you know, kind of defines a bit of new wave. But there's definitely inspirations from other bands that we've talked about, like The Doors Oh um, yeah, Greenfield yeah, yeah. got well, the total Manzarek yeah, well, thing going. Oh, totally. Well, people are saying that he sounds like Manzarek, and he he cited like Yes and Wakefield. Yep. Or sorry, not Wakefield. Rick Wakeman. Rick Wakeman. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. But yeah. But yeah. You can't when you hear it, you can't not hear Manzarek on like the Doors influence. Yeah. Even uh, vocally, it, it, Cronwell gets gets a little <laughs> Jim Morrison croony a little bit, and on some of the songs. Yeah. I didn't write down which because I forgot. So my first introduction to the Stranglers was uh, they sued the band Elastica. Yeah, uh, they did. Because Elastica had a great song called Waking Up, which is a complete ripoff of No More Heroes. Yep. And, uh, you know, Teenage Kyle was like, let's check out the Stranglers. And dear Lord, what a great band. Were the Stranglers right? But did they did they just lift it? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. One hundred percent. Back to back. It's the same song. <laughs> Yeah, Good job, I mean, Stranglers. The, the, this all like it, it has the doors in it. It has a lot of psych in it. It also has a lot of fucking prog in it. Like, yep. but but still like upbeat enough to where like clearly the damned were influenced by <laughs> what are, they were yeah, doing. I was gonna say the damned, yeah. Like, I I, I don't know. We're, we're listening to Goodbye to Loose, and like it it's it's just so fucking good like the fucking like the listen to the baseline just listen to it apparently the uh bass player jean-jacques burnell i think he wrote the song but he couldn't sing it and also play that baseline so hugh Hugh (laughs) cronwell takes the takes the vocals yeah jean-jacques burnell has like some really interesting bass lines across this album like i mean the most famous song on the album i guess is is peaches i guess out of this batch uh, because of his baseline and also just like the overall sentiment of the song, but oh, that baseline on Peaches. I mean, yeah, it's sick. It's <laughs> and, uh. yeah, I love it. It's good. Uh, I love that Goodbye Toulouse is uh, about the Nostradamus prediction of the destruction <laughs> of the uh, uh, is it just of Toulouse itself? Yeah, yeah but, uh, uh, the, the French town of Toulouse. Yeah, Bert, <laughs> yeah. I mean, what do you think about like those kind of elements on this album? Like all the, and I think it's coming mostly from Jean-Jacques Burnell. Like there's definitely some like weirdo kind of arty elements on like Goodbye Toulouse and London Lady. I think Princess of the Streets is one of his too. Like there's just some, some weird shit going on. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it's, we're going to get into a lot of this stuff. I, and fascinated because I don't know exactly where all the new wave comes from. Um, obviously, you have bands like Kraftwerk that are heavily influencing people, but you know when we we're going to get to Wire here in a few episodes, and I just don't know how this sort of element spawned, other than just saying let's just tear down everything and build up these angular, strange, you know, pop sensibilities where there's no rules. Don't worry about choruses and things like that. We'll just we're just gonna make it up. It's cool. Yeah, I I, I really don't know where like new wave hits versus post punk, but like 
Right. I can I can say that like from what from what this band's putting forward at this point in time is just that they they wanted the speed, they wanted the stripped down nature, like the the production value, but they were also way too good just to play the Ramones. You know, Absolutely. like yeah. the, the, it's just like I I guess what they would describe as new wave is just they they could play better than like uh like three chord punk rock. I think they're more interested in in creating atmosphere whereas punk is energy not to say that you know new wave can't have that that sort of high the the sort of uh aggression the sort of sneer or, or uh anarchy that you know is presented within those songs but it's more and it's it's more controlled bursts yeah and not to say that this album is lacking in energy no. <laughs> this, this album's frenetic sparks uh, this is sparks but- yeah right. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're talking uh, like the, the the stranglers as musicians. What a what a, a motley crew of players they were too. So we've got Dave Greenfield. You know, it, it wants to do the Rick Wakeman like Ray Manzarek thing, and he'd mostly just been playing on army bases up to this point. And uh, then you've got Hugh Cromwell or Cornwell on on uh, lead vocals and guitar. And he used to be a blues player, and he also was a bandmate of Richard Thompson for a while so he ties into that whole nice. yeah that whole english folk scene uh then jean-jacques Burnell, uh he was a classically trained guitarist in orchestra that then switched to bass to be in the stranglers and uh drummer jet black is an old dude like he he was a jazz drummer in the 50s and then he got out of music and became a very successful businessman. And he owned a fleet of ice cream trucks for a while. And then in the seventies, he decided to, to unretire from music and just hopped on this wave of, of punk, you know, because well, this is jet black's band kind of right. Like, didn't he kind of, yeah. get the players yeah. together? Yeah. He had, the, he was the money man in the formation, but yeah, it was really Cornell and uh, Burnell or, you know, definitely not. It, not that punk's been around long enough to have like a like a cookie cutter punk template yet. But even if it had been like this, breaks the template. Pulling these like these four guys from these four different backgrounds and putting them in, you know, like a like a punk new wave outfit. It, it, it's awesome. I, I I only knew a few Strangler songs before this week, but uh, I'm definitely gonna need to uh, take a walk down their discography. <laughs> interesting too because they they kind of rejected the idea that they were associated with a lot of the punk rock that was coming out of uh england europe uh but they definitely got pigeonholed into that role because they were on tour in 1976 uh with uh ramones and patty smith they were on the ramones that'll tour, do it and so everybody's like well they're punk rock i mean 
That will do it. We ain't part of anyone's new wave. <laughs> well, I mean, and they have some of that, like, they have some of that sentiment, you know, like some of the vocal stylings, I guess, that you can hear from, you know, like, oh. It's got a sneer. Yeah, it's a sneer. It's like a, it's like a vocal sneer. Yeah. So there is some and, of that. And, you know, in 1977, you know, the term punk, it was such a loose term. Like, talking heads were punk. Blondie was punk. You know, like, yeah. it's, it's, what, it's what you called bands that weren't bad company. I mean, I think Rob kind of hit it on the head with talking about the damned. I mean, they're not completely similar bands, but they both had that kind of the punk energy, but kind of the musicianship and the the song craft that was, you know, I love the Ramones, but um, yeah, well, it, but, it, but the the damned doesn't get into this. Like, this is more. This is almost like the birth of goth. Mm-hmm. Um, like then yeah, the damn doesn't damn doesn't get into that uh, for a couple of years after like. Uh, whatever record we're going to be doing first of theirs. Um, You're splitting hairs, my friend. I am well, totally splitting I think, hairs. But I think Rob's got some, some, some genuine brain nuggets there. Like down in the sewer to me, I might know like sounds kind of gothy. Like there's little elements that they're putting together. The sonic elements of like, I don't know how you would call it. I guess some of the baroqueness that you find in goth is. John, is I, it. Yeah, I agree with you. Down in the sewer sounds like a damn song. Like it's got, uh, it's really well composed song. It crescendos. Like it's, I don't know. Is that song like seven minutes long? Yeah, it's long as hell. Yeah. Well, it's got four parts. Oh, is it? Is it a suite? (laughs) Well, it's it's a song with four sections, but not necessarily a suite. Because if you're not listening for them, you know, it just plays as one song. But the first section is falling. The second section is down in the sewer. Third section is trying to get out again. And the fourth section is rats rally. (laughs) It is a standout track for me. I had forgotten about that track. And when I listened to it again, I was like, damn, this is, this is is awesome. (laughs) It's got like ominous rat sounds and just amazing. (laughs) What's the line? Like I'm going to call them the survivors. You know why? Cause they're gonna survive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that reminds me of "Curtain Calling" by The Damned, you know. Which I don't know. I really like that last track on the record. It's it's a standout. I, I like the whole fucking thing. Yeah. Um, the, the, I, I don't. It, it, and this this is the, this record's also grown on me. It it took me a couple of listens to fully commit uh, to the whole thing. Um, and I think it had more to do with like. You know, well, I'm hearing that I'm here. I've heard I've grown up with the influences of this band, like throughout everything. Um, And yeah, Yeah. damned being one of them. Fucking Murder City Devils being another one of them. Sure. Oh, yeah. Um, With those keys, too. Yeah. Just like that. That snotty, like just up tempo stuff. Like, I I fucking love it. Um, I mean, yeah, it's their first record. The first lyric is someday I'm going to smack your face. (laughs) Yeah. So it's about a violent argument with his girlfriend. Yeah, there's definitely yeah. like if you take the the lyrics as the lyrics, there's definitely some problematic lyrics. But I think, and that's the hard part is again, you you split hairs on like the music versus the artist. You know, like okay, well, John, have you heard the record after this? No, I haven't heard that one. You should listen to the song "Bring On the New Biles." <laughs> okay. are you saying that's a positive for the band or is that <laughs> more or less affirming that there is no Maybe here? Satire? i don't know uh, i don't know okay. kind of cheeky you know 
Uh, I mean, I don't mind cheek and I don't mind goofs. I don't like them referencing the Jews and money together. Like that's, I mean, that's a personal beef for me. I don't like domestic what, violence. What song is, <laughs> is that one, John? That's an ugly, I mean, an ugly, like mm. ugly is kind of a good goof song until they hit that lyric for me. Like, mm. okay. It's like, oh, well, you know, I, you know, I'd like to see some people who are just completely fucking disgusting in a adult movie together. Like none of these pretty people just like really fucking ugly people. And then he's like, oh, but it's different for the Jews somehow, you know, because then he has yeah. a line before that that's like, oh, well, you got to you gotta be good looking if you're going to get ahead and get like the ladies unless you've got money, but it's different for the Jews somehow. And so it's like, yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, it, and it flows by so fast, it's easy to miss. You know, like all of these lyrics are really hard to hear like as the lyrics. <laughs> for sure. I mean, this is around the time that, you know, Susie from Susie and the Banshees is wearing a swastika. Yeah, like, and so were the, so were the, you know, like the Ramones, I don't know if they ever wore a swastika, but they definitely had, like... Today or love, tomorrow the world. Right, exactly. So, I mean, like, it's it's bandied around, and so... And you got Bowie. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I think the thin, you know... And you got Lemmy. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's a lot. There's, There's a, a lot out there. And so you, and so you wonder, like, okay are they just too stupid to understand how offensive they're being or, you know, like Some, what's the, what's the deal? There's, there's, yeah, there's wide speculation, including by someone we're going to get to soon by Joe Strummer, who says they're just too, like these provocateurs were too dumb to like, they knew it, it, it meant that people were offended by it. So I think part of it, that was part of the charm of being like i'm in your face the same way that people would today would yeah. troll other people just to be like look i'll get a reaction out of you but then you know there is a bit of the there was a rise in the in the fascist movement in europe there was an anti-immigrant uh sentiment going through uh england at the time in the 19th set late 19th, margaret thatcher going to be you know that that whole right-wing uh oppressive regime so it's it's and there were skinheads you know at that time like legit like neo-nazi you know skinheads beating people up so you know what nazi punks can do yeah they can, they can fuck right <laughs> off, fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah. uh, i was gonna ask the first uh introduction I had of this was like you, John, on a punk compilation. It's like punk new wave compilation. And I heard get a grip on yourself. But then I listened to the album and I thought that doesn't sound the same as the album. Does anybody else think that peaches and get a grip on yourself kind of stand out? They, they sort of feel different. Man, get get a grip on yourself. Like I, I I knew peaches from maybe the same comp as you, John. I don't know. Uh, I think I had I didn't know get a grip on yourself. And that was, that that was a big standout to me. I, I caught myself humming it all the time. Something about that song before I had heard get a grip on yourself. I had heard the song stand and deliver by Adam ant or Adam and the ants, depending on the era and the, the verses, uh, the, like the delivery of the verses and like the cadence of the verses on both get a grip on yourself and stand deliver. I don't know. I, I haven't re- revisited Adam and the Ant since then, but if I'm remembering it correctly, I, it, it's really similar to me, which might be part of why it was so easy to get stuck in my head because I already had like a melody for it to latch onto. But I, I liked, I, I did like get a grip on yourself. The money's no good.
but I'm going to agree with Birch. Like those two songs are sonically different from the rest of the album. Uh, get a grip has got a sax solo by a Welsh coal miner who didn't really get credit. I guess he came up, did the sax solo, then went back to his shift in the mines. <laughs> like uh, Eric Clark. I uh, don't know if he's getting, I mean, I think if you dig, you get, he gets his notices. I don't know if he's getting any royalties now, but, but good on him. It was a good sax solo. <laughs> <laughs> it is good. Yeah, but exactly. Like it's a, when you add saxophone to a song, it's indicative of a shift in tone. You know, like you're not going to hear a lot of sax on a bunch of punk songs unless there's sax on every punk song, you know, for that band. Like morphine. Exactly. But mm-hmm. if you can call them punk, which I guess you can. Yeah. So. Doesn't X-Ray Specs have sax? I think X-Ray Specs does have sax. Absolutely. Yep. X-Ray Specs totally saxes. <laughs> <laughs> they do the sax. But yeah, Peaches is like. I don't know. I hate to say it, but like reggae punk or whatever, like it's definitely got a, a laid back kind of like beach Island vibe behind it. It's swagger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I think it's the, like are, are stranglers from just like regular old foggy London town. They're from, uh, they're from some side uh, city, Gr- Greenfield, Greenwich, G- something. What is it? Uh, Guilford. Guilford, there you go. Ah, Guilford. I was going to say maybe they were hanging out at the same places uh, Joe Strummer was, where it was just the uh, Jamaican population, like, blasting reggae out the windows, like, given the old inspiration off of that. Yeah, I think Guilford is a suburb of London, maybe. Is that right? It looks like it's, uh, yeah, just a little bit west of London. So that might be, yeah, so maybe. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, what was your guys' first experience uh, with an actual Rattus Norvegicus? Ooh. I would have to say my first experience with a Rattus Norvegicus was when I was in college. Uh, I lived in a fraternity house. Uh, uh-huh. And there was a thing that we would do to um, make the garbage smaller because we only had like a few trash cans. And so one of the things we would do is we had this big, flat, like two foot by two foot iron plate that was attached to a pole. And we would put that on the top of the garbage that was already in the garbage can. And then we would stand on top of it and kind of jump up and down on it. And so I was doing that one time. And uh, I think probably uh, two or three of these uh, species uh, or taxonomic name, I guess, Rattus norvegicus emerged from the trash can <laughs> as I crushed down on them they didn't bite me or crawl on me but it fucking freaked me the fuck out i mean with their fucking nasty like thin ass pink tail and they're a lot bigger than you think they are large <laughs> yeah norwegian brown's something to be fucked with uh yeah. ben i think you told me a story about uh Rattus yeah. have i told the have i told the my, my rat story on this podcast before no i don't believe so okay so yeah, it was at Second and Park, uh, the house I lived uh, with, among other people, Adam, who's one of our guests, and we had we had probably four or five trash cans that we just took out very rarely. We took out only when we really, really needed to, which was when like, there was like bags piled on top of all of them, uh, and they were kept next to the house, right by our kitchen door, and. We div- we were a prime habitat for a colony of rats that just kind of burrowed in under all of our trash cans, and they had just a system of tunnels down there. So Adam and I decided to wage drunken war on them, and for a while, you know, it was like like BB guns and bait, and like we just like hang out on the porch with BB guns and 
like leave out a slice of pizza and like hide behind the porch couch and wait for them. Uh, we were shooting them, but uh, we, we weren't hurting them. They're just, uh, they're just getting mad and continuing to terrorize. So we came up with this idea. And so we moved out the trash cans and Adam took a hose and he put the hose into one of the holes that led down into their burrow. And I stood by the other one with a shovel and the plan was just to start swinging. <laughs> and so that's what happened. And I, the first, the first swing, you know, it was all adrenaline and, but then just connecting with that first rat, I had no fight in me to make a second swing at the next one, but they just kept coming and I just kept swinging. And then there were babies. <laughs> oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> and yeah, it was rough, man. <laughs> like when, when we when we were talking about, it, we're like, yeah, that'll get them. But then, like, in the actuality, we were both like, <laughs> just like looking at each other, just like in horror at what we had actually committed to. <laughs> Gotta make love, not war, man. You just make yeah. love with those water rats. Yeah. My first. So that's how we a, got rid of our rats. <laughs> my, my my first and only experience with this was. Um, when uh, some pumps were living oh. across from uh, the uh, uh, from Fort Awesome, like I remember laying on my couch and uh, here we go, wa- watching Buffy uh, that we had borrowed from the the library, and I was like, <laughs> "Man, what what's what's that cat up to?" And then I was like, "We don't have any cats in this house," oh, and I was like, "Oh shit!" And uh, Phil from the Nicotones uh, was like. Oh man, Radis Norvegicus, Norwegian Brown. That's going to be a problem for you guys. <laughs> they're, they're, they're hard to get. And so we went out and we got this fucking live trap and we put it behind the couch. Uh, and then I go over to the Nicktones house and uh, Dagan ends up like getting a bunch of mushrooms. Um, and everyone eats mushrooms except for me because I was too punk and scared to eat mushrooms. So I got drunk instead. And then like four hours later, ate the mushrooms that were allotted to me. Yep. And, uh, just tripped my fucking face off, drove home somehow. And when I got oh, there, uh, yeah, we, well, no, I, I forgot to mention, we named the rat, uh, Nicodemus. So it wasn't quite as scary. Um, <laughs> and so when I, when I got home, uh, there was a rat in the cage and uh, that was probably about five 30 in the morning. And then I had, I called Kyle, my, my roommate at that point in time. And he had to come over and help me <laughs> release the rat. From the cage. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I, I was, was uh, I was too high. To do it. I was over at Melissa's house. Got the call at five 30 <laughs> in the morning, walked home. <laughs> Make it to a good friend. Cage. I need help. Oh, <laughs> 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 <sighs> Uh, Norwegian Brown. So we, we we take him out and we release him in the front yard and he runs right back into the house. <laughs> <laughs> Nicodemus. Yep. Why did you release him into your front yard? <laughs> I don't know. I was high. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, fucking hell. All right. I don't I don't think we need to go around the room. Is everybody on the positive on this record? Yeah, total positive. 100% positive. Yeah, great record. Okay, so okay. Listen to Listen to the second record. Yeah. And the third record. Yeah. No, no more heroes is a great band. Yeah, yeah. They they definitely have more to more to offer uh than the, At just what point this. do they get to like Golden Brown? Golden Brown is 
That's like 80s, right? I, I think that song was popularized by, um, what was that Guy Ritchie movie? Man, I've heard that. Uh, it's on a lot of soundtracks. Lockstock? Yeah, I think it was Lockstock or Snatch or something. Great song. One yeah. of the best songs ever written. Man, I just heard that song. I was watching uh, season two of Umbrella Academy the other day, and I heard that song. It's a very usable song. Hopefully, they're all getting a lot of publishing money from, from Golden Brown. All right. Next time, we'll be talking about The Clash. The Clash. Woo! We're here. The Clash. All right. All right. Thanks, y'all.